Welcome to the Pop Cult Podcast. Here are your hosts Ariana and Seth. Yes, this is the Pop Cult Podcast. I'm Seth. Ariana. And this episode's a little different. If you've been following the blog, popcult.blog, you should visit it daily. <laughs> um, I just put out the state of the blog for June 2022. And in that, I stated that we, with the podcast, we're going to try to become more consistent. And some of the challenges with doing a weekly podcast is figuring out a topic that you would think anybody would want to listen to. Yeah, especially... Or movies I want to watch. And it's kind of difficult at times because we're watching the same movies together, so it's not as if one person's going off to a movie theater. Yeah, we can't like go, hey, I recommend this, when the other person's engaged in the conversation, as if they don't know what the movie is. Uh, So we think we're going to try maybe once a month, uh, and this might be something that becomes a Patreon exclusive, is our sort of grab bag discussion. Uh, It can be about media stuff or just kind of about life here in the Netherlands or thoughts on things back in the States. Uh, So that's what we're going to try out with this episode and let us know uh, how you feel about the format, if it's something you want more of. Uh, So I thought one thing we might want to start talking about is food in the Netherlands In in a broad sense without getting into too much detail. How do you feel about the food we've encountered and eaten in the Netherlands? So at the beginning, we thought the food was very good, but it was because we were dealing with a higher quality. Um, The food here, when you eat like anything, doesn't feel as heavy as in the States. Well, they use a lot of sunflower oil. They use sunflower oil, but there's also... um, not as many chemicals, I guess. And not as much sodium. Yeah. And at, for a while, we were like, oh, the food's really good. And now we've gotten to the point is like, oh, the variety is so limited. Yeah. And it's, I've noticed foreign cuisines outside of the Netherlands, like Asian cuisine, they appear to have like tempered the f- seasoning and the flavor for a Dutch audience. Yes. In not a way that's good. <laughs> it's, I think it's also, um, we need to disclose that we like we are in Leiden. Yeah. Um, and Leiden is one of the smaller cities, like yeah. not one of the big ones. There's like, still like a university here. Yes. And there's still like a large presence of immigrants here. Yeah, but so not, you, uh, not as big uh, yeah, as yeah. like uh, Maybe I could go to Den Haag a, or yeah, like, uh, I, Amsterdam that apparently where you can get like better food. I'm hoping uh, this summer we can go to The Hague and see, because yeah. it's a more international city, maybe that food's better. Yeah, I know like that, for example, they have like Korean barbecue and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But so far here... So there's a lot of, like, I remember oh, we've watched a lot of documentaries when it comes to, like, Chinese uh, families owning, like, Chinese restaurants mm-hmm. and how they have basically downplayed their palate in order to uh, go with an American, like, yeah. taste bud. Uh, it's nothing like it here. It's so different. Like Everything's Chinese, very stewy. Yes. Like, the at the least the Chinese food that we've had here is very, like, moisture forward. Yeah, like I was saying, it's, it's very much like a stew. It's like very soupy. Yes, so if it's like, if the There's culture... There's not a lot of thickening going on. Yeah, if the culture has a fried chicken, they are going to do it perfectly. 
But if it comes to, I feel like the noodles have been super soggy. But then again, yeah. we are having delivery versus going to a restaurant. Yeah. So there is that contrast. There is also like um, a language barrier. So not only are they like translating what their recipes would be from like whatever na- like native language, we can't say like it could be like Mandarin or yeah. um, Taiwanese to. Dutch to English so there has been like a lot of confusion and some things that we don't know if it's authentic or not well like kas is cheese yes but then pindakas is peanut butter yes directly translated it's peanut cheese and I'm still not sure because I haven't seen a lot of spreadable cheese here so I don't know why I, they would yeah, go to peanut cheese for peanut butter. And Duolingo does make a joke <clears throat> about pindakas not being cheese. I did read somewhere that like there's, they're very big about their dairy products here. Yes. And yes. apparently I think there's like Dutch food regulations on what can be called butter. And yes. because there isn't enough dairy in peanut butter, it can't legally be called peanut butter. Yes. So it's peanut cheese instead you would think like peanut paste or something would make more sense well yeah and there's um so yeah the food is not great so one of the places that we ordered a lot is a chicken place and they had spicy nugs well there was uh, yeah yeah spicy nugs spicy nugs and so we order them thinking it'll be like some type of there's no spice there's yeah, like, I, I don't know why they called it spicy. Like my, there was like a very mild heat it, at the end. There was just paprika. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just, they love their paprika here. Oh, yes. Paprika's on everything here. Um, one thing that was has been interesting to discover is pizza here by default is what's called Italian style. Yes. So I guess it's meant to be more like a traditional Italian pizza. Yes. It's very like flatbready. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the crust isn't like thin crispy, but it's thin with a little crisp on the edge. Yes. Uh, not a whole lot of cheese on it. No. Uh, but also not a whole lot of sauce. Yeah. There's it, also like the strange thing of putting blue cheese on the pizza. For four cheese pizza, yeah. For four cheese pizza. There is... So one time we were excited because we saw taco seasoning um, like in... Like the store, the yeah. Store. Like you would buy like we, El, old El Paso, but it's like a Dutch European yes. brand or something. And we tried it, and it just tastes like burnt cumin. Yeah, it was it was horrible. Like it, it, it was un, like, it was we, inedible. If yeah. we buy it, I have to adjust it afterwards. Like I'll use it, but then add salt, add like hot hot sauce. Add more pepper. Add more like so. There's actual flavor in yes, it. Yes, and it's one of those like. I want to almost buy a jar and just find online like different seasonings to make an actual just like, make your own ta- taco seasoning. Taco seasoning because the seasoning is just it's so bland. It's so bland. And you talked about the fact like Seth has told me that he decided to read upon why is it that and apparently their Calvinist ideas is just sort of like yeah. you don't overindulge. It was. It sounds like it was maybe post World War Two. So for people who aren't familiar with Dutch history. They were, of course, taken over by the Nazis. Anne Frank very famously lived in Amsterdam. You can still visit the house where she was hiding. Um, And when the Nazis finally fled the Netherlands, mainly due to, like, the allies from, you know, the Atlantic side pushing them back, and then the Soviets pushing them from that front, they kind of had to, you know, retreat back to Germany. 
the Netherlands went through an intense famine. Like, lots of people died. It was really, really bad. Yeah. Like, one of those historical moments in a society's history that, like, shapes them for the foreseeable future. And so Calvinism was a very dominant branch of, like, Protestant Christianity here. And apparently they had these sort of, like, domestic schools uh, post-war. And it was to help because, I mean, if you think about it, you had, like, a whole generation of women who grew up without seeing regular domestic life because of Nazi occupation during those formative years. And so it was, like, basically to train them to be, like, good wives and domestics. But Calvinism is also one of those, like, puritanical restraint uh, Christianity beliefs. And so, you know, you, if you think about like, the Puritans, it was, you know, if you enjoyed life too much, it was sinful. So <laughs> they kind of imparted this cooking style onto the Dutch, is what I've read. Yeah. And so that's why the, and also, you know, the famine taught them to, you know, do more with less. And so they have a very frugal mindset around food. Like breakfast is not a big meal. And then when I say not a big meal, like literally they might eat a croissant and a small cup of coffee and that's it. Or it's just sort of like a, a struffle waffle, which is like a, a thing that you can put a topping on it and it's some coffee. Yeah, it's just very, breakfast is very light. Or like uh, the infamous like piece of bread with like oh, sprinkles on yeah, it, yeah, which yeah. is a big thing. They, they're not big on It's like cereal. a little kid thing. Yeah, they're not big on like cereals. Yeah, they are big on yogurt. They sell, yeah, like there's cereal in the stores. But it doesn't even constitute like half of an aisle. It's like a quarter (laughs) of a shelf. Yes. It's very small. Like it's funny to me because it's like you go in, cereal's not a lot. They do have a lot of chips, but like the dairy. It's dairy, yeah. Dairy is like it is the the most valuable part of their rush like of their supermarkets. It's it's just complete it's like wall to wall of different yogurts, of different like I think almost like custards because one time I bought something mm-hmm. that I was like it was more of a custard than it was a yogurt and um, it's not in like the containers that we're used to in the states you can find like the, the round little containers but here they're kind of like in uh, cartons like for milk yeah it's like a milk carton which is but it's like a gooey milk carton because when you pick yeah. it up it's got this weird give to yeah, it yeah um but like yogurts, simple stuff, and then like the joke is that the like they don't have warm meals. Like typically, like lunch is not a warm meal. That is a thing that I've seen constantly, like on TikTok, about like making fun of like Dutch people just eating sandwiches well, and bread. Brutje, brutje, which I'm probably mispronouncing, but it's a. Uh... It's essentially like a sandwich. It's a sandwich you get out. Because then, like, I think Boderham is the sandwich you make at home. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, Brutsche restaurants, it seems like. There's one near where we live that, like, always has a ton of people on the sidewalk. So I'm like, I don't know. I haven't eaten it. But it must be good because a lot of people go there. Well, they love portable food because the many times that I've, like, dog walked through uh, the park... It's people, like, it's one hand with the food, which is normally a sandwich, and walk and go. Like, and it's not as if, like, they're exactly in a hurry. They're just taking advantage of, like, wanting to look in the scenery kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's... Uh, The uh, one thing that I have enjoyed that 
I ate, I've only eaten it once, I should probably get it again, is Pandan cake, which is Indonesian. Indonesia used to be a Dutch colony, and so there's a lot of uh, Indonesian immigrants that live here, and so they have brought their food with them. And it was a really good cake. It was like a, a pound cake, essentially. Yeah. But it's flavored with pandan, pandan leaves, which give it this green color. And I don't really know. It was kind of not cinnamon... Uh, but like cardamom a little. Yeah. I had like a cardamom vanilla kind of thing going yes, on that yes. was really good. I really like that one. Um, the fast food. So we've tried McDonald's, Burger King. Yes. KFC, Dunkin' Donuts, and Domino's Pizza yes. here. Mm-hmm. I would say the Domino's has been the best. Yes. Then they, they serve milkshakes at Domino's here, which are they, really good milkshakes. I think all of them serve milkshakes. What do you mean? Like all the ones that you've mentioned. Okay, I guess that's yeah. That's, I guess that's a thing. Like there's like some, I just have only I don't know gotten about them. McDonald's. So. I wasn't, but I know like uh, Burger King had a milkshake. KFC definitely had milkshakes. Uh, KFC doesn't have biscuits. That is, I'm very. It's <laughs> it's a sacrifice I knew I was going to make as a southerner moving to Europe. Is that <laughs> the southern biscuit? And if you're listening, and maybe you're from Europe, and your biscuit, you think cookie. That is the definition of biscuit in Europe. In the States, I would describe it best as a flaky quick bread. I think there's something called an Irish scone or Irish scone uh, that I've seen that's very familiar. So if you're not a southern boy like me who loves his biscuits. Mind you, you have been like wrapping your head around how to describe a biscuit. Well, yeah, it is because I'm like, it's not a roll, but it's the size of a roll. And yeah, yeah, it's, and it's flaky. Yeah, but it's, but it's not, not like flaky like a croissant, and it's heavy and dense, but not like dry like a scone is. It's its own thing, and it's and like I remember like when we were in the states, and I was like trying to practice to make it. And it's not saying that like biscuits are hard to make, but you still kind of have to have like this internal clock because the butter needs to be cold. Um, it's a process. It's a process. But, uh, yeah, the KFCs do not have biscuits. Yeah, I didn't think they had bread in at all, no, did they? Yeah. which I think is weird coming from the States to go, like, it's, you know, KFC, which I know now doesn't mean Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's Kentucky Fried Chicken, come on. Um, but Kitchen it's, Fresh, they tried to do that once. Yeah. yeah, but it's also sort of like, um, you're supposed to be representing the South. Well, and so. I, because I know Popeye's has popped up in, um... The UK, so I looked that up the menu because I was curious. No biscuits, no biscuits at Popeyes. I do not understand. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, so we tried the other week because, and we had seen it since we moved here. We finally have a place where we know how to work our oven. That's not some Airbnb with some weird thing that has no directions. So we've been, uh, you know, we'll have like a frozen pizza every week. And in the store the other day, we finally saw it again, the Big Americans brand. And we saw it before, but, like, again, we're in we Airbnb, yeah. we didn't buy it, but it was also just, it, like, it was a thick boy. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's that sort of <laughs> thick, bready crust. The frozen pizzas are, like we described with the Italian-style pizzas, very thin. Um, and so we thought, oh, Big American. It's always interesting to see what... You know, a European labels as American. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because, like, chocolate chip cookies are labeled as, like, you know, oh, this is an American dessert. And the yeah. chocolate chip cookies I've had here have not been that great. 
I mean, you bought a red velvet. Oh yeah, I got the, yeah. <laughs> so yesterday I bought red velvet cookies with white chocolate chips because I thought, hey, you know, it's always fun to you know, try a new thing. Uh, my question for whoever manufactures this cookie is: Have you ever tasted a red velvet cake? Because what you made was a strawberry flavored cake with white chocolate chips. With, yeah, it was. And it does not. It, thing. There is nothing about this that's. That I, tastes like or smells I, like a red they velvet cake. I assume red velvet cake just means the color, but yeah, that's not is, the thing. It was but Big American's Pizza, we got it was like a pepperoni or salami. They don't do a lot of pepperoni here. It's more salami, so it's like bigger, yeah. wider slices, but thin. Uh, what did you think of the Big American's Pizza? Um, it was like a Lunchables pizza made big. <laughs> so yeah, just yeah. the sauce. Was a mix of like ketchup with a little barbecue mixed in? Well, no, it was because every time you bit into the salami and then bit into like mixed with the with the ketchup based oh. sauce, it came off like barbecue. It was so nauseating. And it was like not even good barbecue. It just is like overly sweet. Yes. And we finished eating it because we didn't want food to go wasted. I will never buy one again. But it was, and it's not one of those that you need to spit out. But anyone who's particularly sensitive to certain like taste would not want to end up finishing that. Yeah, so I would say there's some good things here, but there's also some food that's not so great. Yeah. um, Uh, In general, living here, I know uh, you do a lot of dog walking, and so you bought an Mm e-bike. Uh, so tell me about like biking the e-bike. How is that? Been? I am a spoiled brat with that thing. Like yesterday we went biking and I didn't have the battery in. And um, like, so a lot of the bikes here have gears so you can go a little bit faster. That's my assuming what the gears are for. Uh, and so I was like on a two and a party we wanted to be like, oh, I can go up to a three. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> the e-bike is way smoother to ride. Um, but biking here can, I can understand anybody who would be intimidated. We did not really bike on the streets until I've had enough practice at, on my first bike. And we, uh, the first time it was horrible cause I haven't, I had, I hadn't biked since I was a kid. And, um, I was there. Yes. She, I thought she like, she had no control of the bike no, at first. No. Zero control. Because I was getting freaked out because of how fast I was going. And then the guy was like, you need to keep going faster. Yeah. Um, but it's... There is a certain relief of not having to drive everywhere. There is a certain relief of not being like, all right, where am I going to park my car? How much gas is this going to take? You just take your bike and go. And if you're not comfortable biking, then most likely you're able to walk to the place. Or bus. Or the bus. And the buses are very reliable here. So that's been uh, pretty nice. And if you live in a central area, you're going to have all kinds of buses within walking distance. to yeah. So no matter what direction you're going. And so I... <clears throat> it's funny because every time I go on the bike and I see how smoothly other people transition onto their bikes, I feel like Dutch people do a magic trick every time I've watched them. I mean, they've been yeah. riding bikes since, like, as soon as they could kind of walk, they're yeah. put on bikes with yeah, training wheels. Yeah, we've seen, like, yeah. kids that look like they're two and, and they're, they're being on a bike. taught on a yeah. bike. And it's, it, like, they're on the sidewalk, but still they're being taught how to ride a bike. Um so occasionally I'll be like, God fucking damn it, I hate this. <laughs> Only because I can't like smoothly transition to being on my bike. 
and I am not as tall as the average uh, Dutch person is. No, they're very tall. They're very tall, or like they're just they don't care the height of the bike. Um, but it is very like especially when you're in the center of the cities, it is very bike focused. Yeah, like older streets don't have bike lanes. Newer no. streets do, but even the older streets. The cars do not have the right of way. No. And so um, the further <coughs> out from the cities, and again, Leiden isn't that big. Um, it's more car focused, but um, still like the bike is king kind of thing. So a lot of times if say, uh, I have a friend that like lives outside of Leiden. It's what, like a... 13 minute bike ride 10 minute depending on like how fast you're going so you don't have to worry about like and a lot of times even if you are like oh, i'm gonna go public transport uh, transportation a lot of times the bike is faster depending on where you're going it's like, more of a straight shot yeah yeah um it's a whole other thing of like you want to go to like another major city yeah then that that would be where you would use the trains which we found are like very reliable and yes i mean you're never really standing around at the central station for very no, long there's always an option the trains are pretty expensive though at the end of the day depending on how far you go out like i think when we went to the hague it was four euros one way mm-hmm but when we went to like Amsterdam and Rotterdam, it was over eight euros one yeah. way. So I mean, a round trip's gonna be over sixteen euros. Yeah, and so um, a lot of times people who end up commuting to work, their jobs are most likely to comp them mm-hmm. for that travel and or give them a discount. And if you are a student, if you are from the uh, from uh, like Europe, you get free transportation. But oh if you're not from Europe, that's when the costs go up. Yeah. Um, you have encountered more Dutch people than I have yeah. through your dog walking. Uh, you had an interesting encounter uh, with a Dutch woman, oh, and it was it uh, the Dalmatian that you walk? No, no, no. It was uh, Milo. Okay. So just tell me uh, what was the, what happened in that encounter. So. Um... We're walking and the woman stops and stands to the side, sort of hesitant. And this- She's nervous about the dog. Yeah, and um, he knows I have, have treats and he tends to be one of the, these dogs that are a little overprotective of people. So any signs of anxiety, he is going to latch on and use that against the person. So she's walking, he looks at her, growls, doesn't lunge, just growls. And we walk away. And so as we walk away, he starts to bark. I correct him by making him sit down and lay down. Once I give him a treat after he's laid down, she starts um, yelling at Dutch to me. And me, unaware of what, what the heck is going on, I tell her, Ik spreek een beetje Nederlands, maar niet goed. Which means I speak a little bit of Dutch, but not well. And she shifts over to English and starts telling me, you gave him a cookie, you made him sit down and you gave him a cookie. Um, you, you were basically like giving him a treat for, for barking at him. I didn't do anything. I was just standing there and he, he growled and he barked at me. And I'm just like, ma'am, I'm sorry. I was making him lay down. And by making him lay down, he gets a treat to understand like he needs to be quiet. And she's like, but it's not fair. And it's like, um, okay. And I walked away, and but it just was so. Well, did she want also want a treat, and that's why that's, she thought it wasn't yeah, fair? Um, it's all 
also like this weird thing of like um, a lot of people say that Dutch people are forward. I really don't feel that. I feel like they're ready to have an argument at times. They're ready to like debate with you if necessary. And there, um, there's a confusion between opinions and feelings. I feel like um, when a Dutch person feels slighted, they're going to give you their opinion whether you like it or not. And um, at the opinion can be good, the opinion can be bad, but I think... To it's me, always unsolicited. <laughs> yes, to me, it is not that... Um, I feel like they just, they're opinionated, so they have to tell you. And, um, yeah, and it's, because yeah, we may talk about this in another episode, but, like, the way they're raised, they're raised to be very, like, independent, you know, and speak their mind, which is good. But I think there's also something to learning to know when to just shut up and not say anything. <laughs> well, like, it's, it's hard to say because I've met, like, Dutch people who are very kind and interested as to why you come here but there's also this european mindset that um you will ask someone a personal question but us as americans once we provide that personal information we expect them to divulge like personal information back they don't they don't but it's also this idea that they don't want to muddle the conversation with their own uh, situation so it's it's hard to, to read because, and it's one of those like to adjust. So I've adjusted to when I do speak to Dutch people of asking them questions, but there's also like this weird thing of like, I try to keep things very like business oriented, like being like, hey, we very had a conversation, let's go. And that's when right on the edge when I'm about to leave is always like, why did you come to the Netherlands? And then I have to give a story and then I have to like, and then I, in order to be like, hey, since you asked me something, let me ask you. Like, it's, you basically have to train yourself to ask them questions. And that can be very hard for people, especially if you're the type of person that's like, you, you think you're being obvious. You're kind of like maybe giving a gesture or an expression, like now it's your turn. And so, like, it feels as if, like, Americans are more expressive versus, like, Dutch people are just more muted. Well, well I'm sure we'll have lots more to say about the Dutch and the Netherlands <laughs> in future uh, grab bag discussions. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the things we've been doing since uh, we came. New hobbies for some of us. Uh, and we'll talk more about that when we're back. are back. Uh, so one of the things that happened uh, since we've arrived here is Ariana has started playing on the Nintendo Switch. I don't know if I've played <laughs> on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, maybe a, a tiny bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I'm more than happy uh, to basically hand it over to her so she can play on it. I know... You are you just trying to make a record making sure that you're a good husband out to the internet? <laughs> I, I don't care what the internet thinks about me. <laughs> Uh, so I know you started, because we both got new iPads after we sold our house. Yeah. 
uh, and you had been playing some Stardew Valley on your iPad. Yeah. And then I told you I had it on the Switch, and it was a lot. The controls were a lot easier than the touch screen. Uh, so oh yeah, just, and there's like more access to certain stories. On the so Switch. just uh, tell me a little bit about like what you've been playing, what you've been enjoying. Uh, Stardew Valley, started playing Animal Crossing like a year or like two years later than everyone else did. Uh, New <laughs> Horizons, yeah. Yeah, um, and then like Kirby. I did play, which one was that? Like the, the, the Nintendo one? She, yeah, she played on um the SNES emulator that you basically have on... On Switch. Switch like on the Earthbound. Online. You played a yes. little Earthbound, but I think... The sort of turn-based Japanese RPG thing is just not your... I think I get more frustrated because it's not obvious. And then, like, looking online, it's like, you need to go like go right, go left. And then you're going to find, like, a bearded old man. It's very linear. <laughs> yes. Like, there's only one path. Yes. And you have to follow that path. Um, I, like... I don't know what to well, okay. say. <laughs> uh, so before, what was your experience with video games before Very recently? It's, it was always watching my brother play video games. It's and, like, what was he playing that you uh, saw? He played a lot of Nintendo games. We rented a lot of stuff when we were younger. I can't remember any of the titles. I remember I would try to get games. Like My mom would encourage me to get games. So I'd always get the girly games. Like a Barbie game or something? Yeah. And then I'd be like, I'm too frustrated. You finish it. Really? They're not that hard. <laughs> I think I, I remember playing a Barbie yeah. game when I was a kid, and it was very simple. Well, like the, I think the difference is like I didn't have that coordination. Because your I, brother was always hogging it. Yes. Yeah. And then I would get frustrated because I knew I was being watched, and... Like, I was just like, I don't want to do this. And so um, it wasn't as if, like, anybody was like, oh, no, keep doing it if it's hard. Uh, then played a lot of Street Fighter as a kid. Like... Well, your brother was and still is very into martial arts. Yes. So it was um, kind of, was it your choice or was it you're just going to do well, it? Like, it was me and my cousin, so we played a lot. And it was also, like, th that was just button-smashing games. Like, Did you have a character? You, was it Chun-Li? Yeah. Was it? Uh, well, well Chun-Li was pretty easy because I think you just press the A, which she cooked so many times, and she would do, like, that turbo kick, and, like, mm -hmm. that way you would win. Mm -hmm. But then if I was against that green guy that stretched... Blanca. Blanca, or, yeah. like, that dude that stretched, I was... Dalzine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was my experience with games. <laughs> Uh, and so I played games and things on my PC, and I had an Xbox and a PlayStation at one yeah. point. But the Switch was like the first console I'd bought in a long time. Yeah, I think we bought like Manny's old Wii. Oh, the old Wii U. Yeah. Which was, was uh, rough. But it was like, it was more like he needed money, and he already had an extra one. So yeah. He wanted to be a good sister and buy it off of him. Um, but it was, yeah, and so that was fun. But like the Switch. You haven't really jumped into... When people think of the Switch, they think of things like Mario Odyssey, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Animal Crossing is one of the main games, and yeah, you definitely jumped into that. I think I, like, I would verge on them, but I'm so... Animal Crossing is basically like almost like meditating without meditating. You're just doing the same thing over and over again, and like there's something very soothing about that, even though it is a huge waste of fucking time. Like, there's so many times that I will log into Animal Crossing and be like, what the fuck? What am I doing? I'm just doing this to get some points, and the points don't mean anything. I'm not, it's not as if anyone's really happy that I've done this. Yeah, like, I played Animal Crossing for a few months. I bought, pre-ordered it, so I got it, like, when it came out, which was literally the week 
everything locked down yeah, at the like of the pandemic. Was, yeah. yeah, it was during the time. So perfect time, yeah. perfect time. But after maybe like three or four months of playing it, I just thought, I'm just kind of doing the same things over and over, yeah. and this is not entertaining to me, and I just stopped playing it. And then yeah. eventually... When we moved, I, that was one of the games I sold, only for us to move to the Netherlands, and then you to want it, so we had to go buy it again. Well, I think it's also like this funny thing is like, so the so Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley kind of have the same thing, but Stardew Valley has <laughs> this sounds so nerdy, and you can find someone else who's way better at this guy. Oh no, it's, we need to. So Animal Crossing has certain storylines that feel like. You're watching a weird soap opera. Um, <laughs> this just the look that Seth is giving, like a slow nod. Continue. And like, and Animal Crossing, you don't get that. Stardew Valley, like, you can get married, you can have kids. It's a little more alive. Yeah, and Valley. like, you have like challenges. You can like do stuff for your neighbors. You can have your neighbors either love or hate you, kind of thing. Um, Animal you, Crossing is so neutral. Animal Crossing is just like nothing you do really affects anything. No, and like it's also this weird thing that like uh, it's if you want someone out of your island, like it just sounds like you can just bully them out yeah. by complaining about them, and then it's just it is very much about aesthetics. Um, there is something very soothing about it, but it was also like... Well, I almost think it's like those little sand garden things with the rakes where you just trace patterns. Like, that's what Animal Crossing feels like. You're not really doing anything. You're just kind of relaxing. You're not sharpening any skills. No. Because, like, the one thing is sort of like... The one joke that we had when I was really into Animal Crossing was the fact that we were currently without, like, any place to live. We're living in Airbnbs. And so he's just like, ooh, I'm creating a home in this digital <laughs> This area. is, yeah, your digital, <laughs> your home in the metaverse. Yeah, and it's also, like, the joke of being, like, a lot of millennials and Zoomers saying that, you know, Animal Crossing is the only way that they would ever own a home and be able to expand it and decorate it the way they want. Um, and then for your birthday... Someone got you Kirby. Yeah, you got me. Yeah, I got Kirby. <laughs> uh, Kirby in the Lost Kingdom, I think. Yes. It's one of those, I'm bad, I'm an old man now. It's just like, oh, it's the Kirby. I bought the, the Kirby. Kirby. I bought the Kirby. Uh, yeah. yeah, and like Kirby. And it's really the first 3D platformer you've kind of yeah. played. Um, and a lot of times I tend to forget the controls because... Uh, you I'll, panic. I panic, and it's also because I'm not used to it. So it's just, and like for me, I'm like well, just A and B are too close together. <laughs> so I have it like on easy mode. I I have enjoyed playing it, but it's one of those like after you've played it, you're like, oh, I'd understand why some people like do uh what's like platform level like what is that when they fight, but it's all like one scroll kind of thing. What? You gotta. I don't know. I don't know what it's called. When people fight and there's like when platform games, like is that what it's called? When it's like the like a fighting game? Yeah, like the stuff that Dan Geasley does, like the knights, the night stuff that they die, but you get to like re. Oh, roguelites? Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. I I don't know what you were saying. But like, are you talking about games where you it's you go on runs, sort of like yeah. Binding of Isaac? Okay, yeah, because those are the games I enjoy are roguelites. Yeah, you where, you also like you like rogue games, but then you also like games that you're able to like like city plan. Well, let me talk about the game I've been playing lately. <laughs> Let's build a zoo on my computer. Uh, it is a very light sim. 
I sometimes I will play like City Skylines, which is a lot more. There's a lot more going on there. Yeah. This is it's pixel arty. You, and I mean, the game is what the title is. You are starting a zoo from scratch. Yeah. And so you have to deal with, you know, like acquiring animals for the zoo, caring for the animals. You can breed them. One of the things you're trying to do is every like animal has 10 different variants. So if you get all of them, you can like map their genome and then you can like clone animals. So if they go extinct, you can keep them going. Right. Uh, and then it also has like a morality tree in it too. Where you can either do things that make you morally bad or morally good, oh, which involves okay. like you can have like a sausage grinder facility at the zoo, and then you know, hey, if you're raising pigs and the pigs are getting too old, instead of just euthanizing them or letting them live until old age, you can just turn them into sausage and sell it and make a profit for the zoo. But then your like morality goes down. Okay. Uh, health inspectors will come to the zoo, and based on the grade they give you, it either gives you a bonus or you have to take a penalty until the next review uh you can put in food uh, shops so everything from like cotton candy to slushies hot dogs pizza you also have to hire staff so uh i try to have one keeper per uh habitat Uh so that they only have one job you have to hire janitorial staff and then assign zones to them your eyes just glitter up it's so much fun (laughs) Uh, you can, you know, buy more buses as it goes along. You can also become energy independent and water independent if you want to pursue that path. Uh, so what type of path are you going down? To go- I try to go moral path. Okay. Because, like, uh, these black market animal poachers will, like, show up at the park and they'll let you know. And you can either uh, try to buy or sell animals to them or you can report them to the police. And I've been reporting them to the police. Okay. Because I know, like... Um, when I was playing Animal Crossing and the neighbors would be like, hey, I got in a fight with Silvana. And you you were like, what, you're actually going to deliver it? I used to open that. Keep it. <laughs> yes, I mean, sometimes it's good to be evil, right? It's fun. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, I think, and there's also like a whole research tree part. So mm-hmm. you have to like build a research facility, hire a researcher. And then the better they are, the faster they'll accrue research points, which lets you unlock different habitats. Like I just unlocked the African savanna habitat so now i can do hyenas and african animals uh but yeah it's one of those like time sink games where when you're playing it there's always something to be doing so you don't pay attention to the time and when you realize like oh three hours have passed and i've just been working on my zoo the whole time yeah i know like there is one game here that i forgot it's like spirit finder was that the name of it it's the one. Oh yeah, oh yeah, on the switch. It's, yeah, yeah, and I just got overwhelmed because it was like you're constantly trying to do everything. Spirit fairer. Spirit fairer. Yeah. Yes, and it's just like I would get frustrated because I would be like looking at like guide throughs, but I wasn't doing like it was like no, you have to wait until this happens or you have to go to this place. It's another very linear kind of game, and it's like it was also the fact that I just couldn't do certain things that would frustrate me. But there are games that like you showed me like on laptop that I would be interested in playing, but I hear the roar of your laptop getting warmed up and I know mine cannot. No, 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 no. I would say my laptop, (laughs) there's some design elements of it that make it heat up, which is a critique of it, which I think yours would be able to handle fine. Okay. Yeah. But I've always like, I think it's also just one of those like, having this new hobby where you're trying out games is my mindset of trying not to like sink in too much 
money <coughs> to it. Um, That's why you got to let me install Steam on your computer, and I can just log into my account, and you'll have like access to two hundred plus Steam games. And uh, but yeah, it's like I like playing games. I know I'm not very good at it, but I'm like, it's not as if like I'm in a rush to be the best. Well, I mean, you're not. This is an esports. You're not trying <laughs> to like make money off of it or anything. So we've been out of the States since September of 2021. Yeah. So it'll be a full year in July, August, September. In three months, we will have been here for one whole year. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like we made much progress. Uh, but <laughs> that's we're, for another podcast. Yeah, that's another podcast. Uh, so is there anything you miss about the United States? Uh, I miss your sister and like, I miss our, like having family nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't really a lot that I can say I miss about the States. I could be like, oh, I miss certain foods. But even then it's starting to become like this weirdly really Yeah, I'll just get used to it. Of it. Um, it's, it's kind of weird because it's as if like you're constantly thinking of home and so... I don't know when I will think to myself, like, I'm at home at, in the Netherlands. I know that'll take a lot of time because it's between, like, adjusting, uh, finally being able to speak the language, we're still learning it, and it's pretty hard. Um, maybe, like, once we've had, like, secure jobs and stuff like that, things will change. But it's... I don't know what I would say I'd miss about the States. What about you? Uh, I think I miss a lot of the same things you said. I miss biscuits. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I would say overall, I mean, we lived in the Southeast United States. And one thing we've noticed from talking to Dutch people here is when you'd say America, they think of New York, Florida, Texas, California. Yeah. Because those are where most tourists are going to go. They're going to go to one of those states. Uh, and so that whole middle section of the country is just not something they really think about because yeah. when they go to America, there's no interest in visiting those places unless it's for work and they kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't think they understand how like miserable so much of America is. And I know because we haven't been there in almost a year, at this point, all I'm able to garner about what's going on is from you know talking to my sister or reading things online. Uh, and it, I just get the sense there's a very like dark mood over America right now. Yeah. Like I see lots of people talking about more, you know, aggressive drivers or in the service industry, people are becoming even more like entitled and demanding and mm-hmm. pitching fits. Uh, well, it's clear through the the proliferation of mass shootings that are going on in America that yeah. that is only going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's just something when you look like the violent crime rate i mean the united states is has, i think it's like number one in violent crime or at least certainly number one in gun violence yeah in um the world and i think out of 195 countries the netherlands is like 107th in gun violence so much safer i mean we've ridden bikes home after midnight and i didn't feel endangered at all like yeah, riding a bike or walking it just felt like, very safe you felt more safe riding the bike that at night because there was less cars than you did like during like the five or six o'clock 
uh, time that we did ride our bikes, which was like... Or just even being outside at night. It doesn't feel like you're no, going to get jumped. Yeah, like, I know, like, for example, we've had um, discussions about me clearly communicating where I am, but there's not a fear of, like, oh, she's been harmed. It's just wanting to know where Safety I am. Safety stuff, yeah. Versus, like, in the States, there would have been a bigger panic about it because, you know, horrible things are happening all the time. Well, like, and- you just think about the amount of car accidents just that statistic yeah, in the states like and then you add in like, gun violence and all this other stuff like you add to the fact when you are driving like i was pretty accustomed to not answering the phone when i drove so that like could add another layer of anxiety of like i want to know if she's safe but she can't but answer while she's and driving. your commute was getting longer before yes. lockdown happened and it's just it's it's weird because there are times that like I I miss the comfort of knowing and being in a routine in the states. Well, like knowing how things work. Yes. In the states, like if I needed to get something done that involved the state government or even the federal government, I was pretty confident I knew what to do and what papers to fill yeah. out and everything. Or like you knew at the least like you could um, find someone to help you navigate here. There is an emphasis like, oh, you need to find your tribe, but they're also like very independent where it's kind of like, oh, you, you should know this. You should read the website. And it can be very, it can be very isolating. And we've talked about like us as a couple, we talked about how there are like pros and cons to having moved. Um, the cons can be just like navigating a system that we're not accustomed to that in the States had we gotten paperwork, we would have still gotten paperwork that was, you know, in Spanish or any other languages provided. Well, there's not a lot of, like, verifying that you got it right here. Yeah. Like, you'll do it, and then it's just, like, you have to... At first, you're like, I guess I got it right. And we've encountered some things where they've explicitly said, oh, yeah, if something was wrong, they never would have contacted you about yeah, it. Yeah, and there's certain people that wouldn't contact you, or there's just, like, there's... It's hard to say because, again, there is a language barrier, and the language barrier could... It's so weird because it's like most Dutch people that we've encountered do speak English, and they will apologize for their for their accents, but, you know, as we joked, well, your English is better than my Dutch. Yeah. Um, but it's... I think it's just like that knowing, that, like, that comfort of knowing of how things are supposed to be done because there's a difference in living here for example a lot of the stuff that you can buy you can just buy like you're encouraged to buy in a store yeah and buying stuff online has been so weird unless we use like amazon.nl because they have like an english version but if you're like doing it like on a dutch website that's been translated through like google chrome yeah. you don't know what you're going to get at the end of the day um shipping here is different where you can actually have something shipped at a store versus at your house yeah because a lot of times if you're not there when they ring they leave it with a neighbor yeah and then a note letting you know which neighbor has it yes and so even though we might not know our neighbors by name we kind of know them by face um which is different from the states I do know that, like, by being here and having, like, more time to myself, I do feel like I have more space 
like in my brain <laughs> and that was something that we did notice like almost it's much calmer here yes it's almost immediate when you get here there's still like there's still anxieties about like navigating the immigration system um there's still anxiety when you're trying to make sure that your bills are paid because they have a more direct like from your bank account kind of like point of view versus in the states it's kind of like here's a bill you choose how you pay for it they're very anti-credit card here which is not a bad thing oh yeah i think that's Um, a good thing people if they can't afford it they just save yeah and um it's if if I miss the states, it's because of the comfort of knowing. Yeah, uh, but I think increasingly the states is becoming a place with big giant unknowns, or the things that are known are that it's going to get much worse than it is. Yeah, and I think it's also we've had like I have friends still in the states or in Canada, for example, but it's also like this weird thing, like I can't exclusively complain to them about trying to navigate the like immigration system here, trying to navigate the possibility of finding a job to them because it was such our decision to make and yeah. it was a huge decision to make that I don't want to hear like, oh, that was your choice. And it's hard because it's like, it's, it's a lonely process because you can meet other expats, but the experience is so different, and I hate the term expat. I'd rather do immigrant. Yeah, I feel like expat's something that you know Americans gave themselves so they wouldn't be called immigrants. Yeah, but I mean we're immigrants. That's what yeah, we are. Yeah, and we um, it's it can be like it can feel extremely lonely, and then you meet other immigrants, and they it's the few times that you can actually be like, oh yeah, this is not something that I particularly like um about it but it's also just most of them who are americans that i have that i i have met may not like everything about the netherlands either if they've stayed here for a while or been here for a short moment of trying to navigate to live here but none of them want to go back i've been surprised how few of them are active not actively learning dutch that's weird to me to live here because, I mean, we've met a few people who were like, oh, yeah, I haven't really put forth any effort into it. Yeah, learning. we met, um, like, uh, a we couple that, yeah. does, that doesn't speak it, which I... It's really weird because, like, of course, if you don't know the language, it's so easy to zone out. It's so easy to I feel to like I need to know something. But it brings... It gives me such anxiety being unable to communicate with people. It's yeah. now that I can communicate almost, like, in an elementary level to, uh, yeah, to a certain basic. degree. Um, uh, one thing um, I think is is something I, I don't miss about the states is like the growing insanity in politics. Yeah. Like here, because it's parliamentary, politics are fragmented enough that I don't think you really ever have one group that just becomes so dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, frustratingly enough, it seems like the politics here, or at least the current administration in the Netherlands, is very, like, centrist, which is disappointing. And very neoliberal, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's certainly nowhere as terrible as the, like, conservative extreme and diet conservative parties of yeah. the U.S. Um, just in general, what do you, where do you imagine the U.S.? Uh, where do you imagine it's going to end up? Let's say by 2024. I I honestly have no idea because there's so many times that um, either we think something is going to happen and then 
something from left field comes over. Well, and I mean, just, COVID like knocks you off of your feet. It is it is so ridiculous because that is talking about politics to anyone who has immigrated from the U.S. to the Netherlands feels such a delicate thing because the majority of them are kind of left leaning, a lot of Bernie supporting people, or just more liberal yeah. type, but. You still can find maybe a conservative or two. We haven't gotten that yet. Well, I know like Exxon, I think they're moving their offices here. But companies like that have workers come here. And so it's not really that they're choosing to move to the Netherlands. The company has told them like executives. And I think they bring some of those more American conservative. Well, I think it's also just like this weird thing of like. Whenever we get into moments that we do find like, oh, we 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 believe in the same thing when we meet another immigrant, um, there is like this fear that they're going to go into this liberal mindset of thinking that Hillary Clinton, if she had won, it would have saved everything. And I feel like the decline was going to happen no matter who won. But it particularly like to due to the fact that we were living in the south in a very small community it just felt scarier every day like i've told this to people before i remember like it was very close after like trump had won i was standing in the office that i worked in and i heard these white guys in a pickup truck yelling to some construction people spick like out loud it was the emboldening of like white supremacy yes and it shook me a little bit because it's like i just started thinking to myself do i need to start straightening my hair do i need to make sure that i don't go under the sun and change my last name to to, uh, like to your last name so i could be more like white appealing um white passing like it was so nerve-wracking and like the Netherlands isn't great. They're still dealing with their own versions of racism and, and xenophobia. Yeah, towards a lot of the immigrant population. And that's gonna be all in any part of the world you're probably going to encounter that. Yeah. But um it's coming from the south. We just saw how it was like decomposing upon itself like having trump signs everywhere not being well, able to have a conversation biden I, signs being literally set on fire in the yes, town where we lived and then in. like people like com- like saying that covid wasn't real to the point that like the one person that recorded any type of news in robertson county stopped mentioning covid because they got so much negative feedback for talking about it and yeah. then like even on a personal level, like your mom going to basically the QAnon. Yeah. And it was like... It was maybe, like a microcosm of the rot that's all over America. Yeah. And so like, there, yeah, there, was, there were parts of our lives that like we could have clung and stayed. Because like before you ended up quitting, I made sure that we had saved up enough money to handle the fact that like it was going to be a one income household. Yeah. And we were like lucky enough due to the fact that like um we saved up money but also not having kids um that we can sustain that yeah but making this move even though at times felt like it's probably the hardest thing we've ever done yes without a doubt it's it seems 
so when I look upon it now, it's like how fucking optimistic I was and there's still a glimmer of that optimism. I I'll be honest, this has been the hardest like you said, the hardest thing, but it's also one of those decisions that I would not go like that was a mistake. There's been so many times that I thought like I could just go we could just go back and buy a house with the money that we have, put a down payment, buy it like and start all over again. But yeah, it's I think things in America are going to get real bad it real just, quick. It feels scary especially because I worked all of my career in nonprofit. You worked as a public school teacher, so it felt like it was encroaching faster on us. Well, especially like public education, there's no way I'd go back and teach in a school especially in Tennessee. Yeah. Hell no. And it just felt like you were suffocating so it's like you were clinging to the good things not knowing how long they would last and like those after effects like rippled into our lives when we moved here and we were just like stuck in airbnbs like i had a meltdown about not having like shower gel but it's also because it's like you keep waiting for someone to take something away from you especially in the states well i think that's as the an immigrant like we're immigrants now so when we think about what it means to be an immigrant we're defining it through that american lens which is there's so much hostility and resentment pointed at immigrants yeah and like yeah it's it's being an immigrant from our perspective and what we've seen immigrants treated like it's like you don't want to be one. It's you're yeah, you're gonna you be mistreated. Yeah, you want to show that you're capable. There's also this comfort in the fact that like, hey, I like had. I'll say it on the podcast. I had to give up a job that I wanted it to, to take due to problems with the IND being understaffed. Uh, so I couldn't get a, a resident sticker renewed, and um, that sucks. But like in the states, if you're not working, then who are you? Yeah, yeah. And that is like, and I. I've constantly we've had these conversations where it's just sort of like my work value is not the same not the same equals my life value but you also get into the mindset of being an immigrant of being like but I'm supposed to prove myself well, to someone it's uh, I think we were a little more aware just because we intentionally made ourselves aware but I think most Americans just do not realize the amount of propaganda they consume on a daily basis yeah uh, and not just like related to political parties but in maintaining this status quo yeah and that's like what you're talking about the whole idea of your value is in the labor that you're selling to your your employer and here that's just it's your job is what you do out of necessity but it's all the things you do outside of your job that are the things that really matter and make you who you are yeah and like people here do enjoy their time more than they do in the states um as I said, I do dog walking, and it's mostly in the middle of the day, the, of the day. And I have never seen the park, the big park that's like in the center of light and empty at any point. There's always someone there. There's people that are sunbathing. I've seen like old women like doing watercolors. I saw this one chick walking down the street, stop to smell a flower and walk away. And I was like, what? 
fucking whimsical shit are you on? That was my first like thought, and then I then I was like, oh, that's nice. Like that, my second thought, which my second thought is supposed to be the most important. The first thought one, was the American one, but the, <laughs> the first one was the American one. Like, what's that lazy bitch doing? Like, well, why is she smelling that flower? I've passed that flower a dozen times. It's never smelled like sweet to me to come lean yeah. over and sniff it the way she did with so much enthusiasm or like people sunbathing like we've noticed our neighbors doing that and we're just like but it's because there's like there's also like this weird thing that i've realized like for example we moved into our apartment we don't have a couch yet but i'm not in a hurry the way i would have been in the states yeah i think it's true well i know we will probably be talking a lot more about life in the netherlands in future podcasts so keep an ear open for that Well, that was the Pop Cult Podcast for this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, let us know what you think of this sort of grab bag discussion style of things. If it's something you want us to keep doing, if it's something you uh, you don't want to listen to, <laughs> then, then don't listen to it. Uh, make sure to check out popcult.blog uh, for reviews. I update there at least every other day, and on weekends you'll see a lot more posts. Uh, make sure to subscribe to be notified uh, wherever it is you listen to podcasts so when our new episodes are up, you will know. Over at the website, we're currently doing a series on Tyler Perry and his Medea movies. And kind of trying to figure out, is Medea saying things Tyler Perry believes in? Does he not agree with her? Just trying to figure that out. We also just kicked off a uh, very objectively titled series called The West Wing Sucks. Uh, that came out of my frustrations with a lot of neoliberal ideology that's kind of made the Democratic Party stall. And I think a lot of it comes from ideas that Aaron Sorkin and people like him have promoted. So we're exploring the episodes of the show through that. Uh, also, uh, I've been reading through and reviewing uh, Jeff John's Justice League run. That sounds like a tongue twister. Uh, it was his run of the Justice League comic uh, when the new 52 began kind of looking to see revisiting it and trying to figure out is it worth going back to reread is there anything good here or is it or is it a good thing that it has passed and then about midway through june you're, we're going to start doing our best of federico fellini series uh, so if you are familiar with that italian director keep a lookout for that uh, make sure to check out our Patreon. The link is in the show notes. We've kind of done a reboot, revamp of the Patreon. Uh, Pop Cult is uh, a podcast and a website that's all about kind of a deep dive into media and culture through a left lens. But I want to make it a very accessible left lens. I think sometimes left-leaning um, media criticism can be very academic and as a result, very cumbersome to, to listen to or read through. And so I just want to make it something that you can pick up and casually read and kind of give you a different perspective on things. Uh, speaking of our Patreon, I want to thank our patrons, Becca and Matt. They both donate at the writer's room level of $10 a month, which lets them pick a movie every month for me to watch and review. If you donate at that level, you also have the opportunity to uh, add your own comments onto the review if that's something you want to do. Well, my friends, until next time, thanks for listening and keep watching. <laughs>